Hey everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes as well. I'm Corbin Weinerman. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. And joined with me, as always, is Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. How's it going, everyone? And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Perry Aston. Uh, also, take a look at our new and improved uh, Twitter for NBA Unwrapped. It's at NBA Unwrapped. Uh, all new content on there. Exciting new page. So take a look at that. Yeah, Perry's been doing a really excellent job of keeping us very active on Twitter and following any of the breaking news stories and with that, I think we'll get right into what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be focusing a lot on the Kyrie Irving trade, which just happened last night. We're recording this Wednesday night. And then we'll also talk briefly about the Lakers being charged, or allegedly the Pacers are accusing them of tampering with Paul George when he was still with the Indiana Pacers. So talk about that, what that means for the Lakers and the Pacers. And hopefully we will be able to keep this podcast shorter than last time, hopefully around 30 to 45 minutes or so. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Kyrie trade today. Obviously, it's more of an emergency podcast right now with such a big, um, you know, breaking story coming out last night. Wanted to get it on air as soon as possible to deliver it to you guys with our opinions. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get right into it. Uh, I'm going to start with, I'm going to ask Corbin just what his thoughts are on the overall trade. Just, uh, we'll obviously get into details right now of the trade, but just wanted to hear his thoughts and uh, express mine as well. So, you know, we'll start with the details of the trade. Okay. Yeah. I So, for anyone who doesn't know the exact details of the trade, the Celtics traded Isaiah Thomas, Ante Zizic, Jay Crowder and the Brooklyn Nets unprotected 2018 first round pick to the Cavaliers in exchange for Kyrie Irving. So my initial thoughts on that, first I was really surprised that the Cavs were able to do as well as they did. I thought I thought for starters that they were not going to be trading Kyrie Irving before the start of the season. I thought there was a good chance that they just hold on to him at least until next offseason, and then especially if LeBron James leaves, then that changes a lot of things. You want to try to rebuild. We've already seen what happens when Kyrie Irving is the main focus on the Cleveland Cavaliers before LeBron came, and they didn't get that far. They couldn't even get to the playoffs. Granted, they didn't have Kevin Love. Granted, Kyrie Irving was a lot younger back then, but still, I don't think that he can be the first option on a championship level team but we'll see what happens with Boston he's in a great position with Boston because although he will be the number one option there he does have some great options around him newly acquired Gordon Hayward signed in free agency they got Al Horford who I think he's overpaid but look he's still a good piece to have he they is have, that center that you're trying to get nowadays the one that can stretch the floor rebound and still be a defensive presence so I mean Al Horford you know you got to pay for position fit and he really fits into the NBA yeah. nowadays not even I, just the Celtics I just think Al Horford his biggest weakness has always been rebounding so the Celtics haven't been that's where they were hurt in the playoffs last year that's where they were hurt during the regular season and obviously nothing's going to change with the Kyrie Irving trade um, but overall I think the Celtics still did win this trade in my opinion but the Cavaliers, I did not think they would get 
anything as close to what they got for Kyrie Irving. Definitely, Isaiah. Yeah, definitely surprising with like what they would be what they were able to bring back. Obviously, with just the drama of him wanting to leave on a dime and him wanting out, but it's not really a player's choice at that point. But it does put the pressure onto the front office to get the atmosphere better, especially after such a crazy offseason for the Cavaliers. Um, new GM Cody Allman obviously wanted to get off on the right foot and yeah, and there, so. and you speak about Kobe Altman. This was his first real test since he became the general manager. I think he handled it great. Oh yeah, no, he passed this test with flying colors. And before he got hired as general manager, he was fourth in command in Cleveland. So to be able to show this much ability in his first real move as GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Real move first. You know, this is a major blockbuster trade. Like not even just moving love or you know moving. a few pieces or anything, but you're you're pulling off the Kyrie trade and to a T, because I'm going to move on to my opinion about this. I really, you know, I know Corbin thinks that the Celtics won this, and in my opinion, I think it's so close. It's almost like, uh, you know, reviewing Runner Goes to the Time. Baseball, it's that close at that point for me, but I'm going to have to give it to the, op- to the opposition, the Cavaliers. They really got back way more than I thought, but not even just what they got back uh, in a player sense. They got that pick, Brooklyn's pick, which really, in my opinion, is a win because you don't know if LeBron James is going to leave this offseason. And in my opinion, it's a shoe-in that he's leaving. And now you're not really screwed for the future. And I'm not saying you're going to all of a sudden bounce back and make the playoffs that year when LeBron leaves because you're not. But at least you have someone coming in like a, you know, a Porter Jr. or you know the newly reclassified Marvin Bagley. You know, you got someone coming in that is a you know, a Kyrie or a LeBron who were both number one picks. Like you just don't know which number one picks are going to be the best or anything, but you're going with the chances that you're grabbing a number one pick for the future. Look at the 76ers who are getting number one pick after number one pick, just hoping that one of them is going to pan out. So, uh, I mean, you can't really rebuild any better when you're losing Kyrie and LeBron because that's catastrophic to anyone, especially with a new GM. That's why it's he passed this with such flying colors because he's not looking at it right now. Yeah, you got rid of Kyrie a little bit, but I think this was a trade all about LeBron James and having to, you know, you got in Isaiah Thomas, who's a motivated All Star on a contract year. So I see him really playing next to LeBron James, and you know he won't be the number one option that he was on the Celtics, but he's Mr. Fourth Quarter. You know, he's been the clutchest person at least last year and he can play and he's going to play next to LeBron in an offense that has a lot more freedom and you know it's going to be cool to, to watch and it's not even that's not even the main win for me it's that pick but you got Jay Crowder on such an awesome contract it's such a low value contract or high value contract but such a low cost and he's just such an amazing defender he can play both ends of course but he's coming in there and bringing a defensive presence that you really don't have beyond you know, Iman Shumper really. So at this point, he's making a huge difference. And that pick is just when when LeBron leaves. Now they got something to lean back on. So I really think that's a win. But you know, then yeah. again, Celtics got Kyrie. So yeah, I think the pick. I I don't like it as much as you do. I think with the this upcoming year, the Nets are not going to be as bad as they were. They have D'Angelo totally Russell agree. now. I think the Bulls and Pacers will both definitely be worse than them. I think that there are a few other teams that you could make the case that they would be worse. Uh, the Knicks, the Magic, I 
guess they're kind mm. of in the same ballpark. I guess the Magic should be a little... Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about number one. I'm oh, saying okay. who's worse between the Nets and the oh, Magic. Right, right. I'm saying it's pretty close. I guess I'd say the Magic are still a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But then in the Western Conference, I think you could maybe say... I know you're high on the Kings. I'm not high on the Kings at all. I think the I mean, Kings losing Zach Randolph could easily... Right now, that a huge acquisition, that really puts not a huge... Stop sign, but that puts a little bit of a haul in, the, in that you know awesome yeah, offseason they were I having. Just, He's a big pickup that they lost. I didn't think he was that big of a pickup. He's slowed down recently. He's getting older. Yeah, he's still he was, an effective he was also player. Such veteran presence on a team that needs it so much with such young players. It just seemed like he was going to come in and really just tutor and mentor yeah. a lot of these. Players. And we don't know for sure that he's going to be gone, but it is up in the air. Him and so, Vince Carter together. Yeah, crazy but I think that players. pick, even if it ends up being the number one pick. The thing that surprised me so much was that Jason Tatum was not a part of this deal. I think from a Cavaliers perspective, especially if I'm having to deal with the thought of LeBron James leaving after next year, I'm going to be looking for someone to fill that void. And while Otto Porter Jr. is a great player and someone who will do well in the NBA, we all think. He's still in high school, so we'll see. Yeah, Yeah, well, Michael Porter. I'm thinking Otto Porter from the Wizards. but Yeah. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Michael Porter. But I'd rather want Jason Tatum than Michael Porter. I'd rather want Jason Tatum than Marvin Bagley. This last draft was so loaded, so deep, and so much great talent at the top. Granted, Marvin Bagley and... Michael Porter both haven't played a game in college, so we don't know exactly how great they're going to be. But I don't see either of them being better than Jason Tatum. So I thought that the Celtics... First of all, I didn't even think that the Celtics would be going after Kyrie Irving. I thought, look, they have Isaiah Thomas. They're going to keep the all the assets that they have and try to acquire a star at a position where they really don't have a really good player. I thought... If Anthony Davis ended up becoming available in New Orleans, which is a possibility, the Pelicans could look to trade him for a King's ransom. I think he has two or three years left on his contract. Do you see the Cavaliers maybe pulling off something like a Kevin Love and this new acquired pick for someone of like an Anthony Davis or a Boogie Cousins at that point? Because they're both bound, one of them is bound to leave at some point coming up soon, and now the Cavaliers, who are never known for having assets, now have Brooklyn's unprotected pick that, you know, is very valuable, and Kevin Love, who needs to go at some point, and he's yeah, on the I, topic of a lot of trades, so I could see them pulling I could see, I could see the Pelicans definitely be interested in that trade. I think if I'm the Pelicans, I take that trade, but yeah, yeah. from a Cavalier's perspective, no, I, I don't do that, because Part of this Kyrie trade was building towards the future for the first time in a long time. Recently, it's just been all about trading all of your future assets to try to win now, which I completely agree with it because when you have LeBron James on your team, you're never going to have a better opportunity. I don't think they get in that stage yet because the fact that LeBron James is still their guy and yeah. the fact that they need to pull off some majestic stuff but to the, keep him around and if you pull in Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins in there and get rid of Kevin Love who of course they're best friends and play decently together and have a really killer long court pass but like yeah but look I think know, you don't the, think AD or DeMarcus no I think Cousins keeps Anthony Davis is not coming to Cleveland for Kevin Love and the Nets pick there's no way the Pelicans boogie though better uh, yeah here. DeMarcus Cousins I'm thinking 
the Pelicans would be dumb not to do that trade. Do you, I don't at think that he's point, staying do you think in LeBron New Orleans. Stays? If they do make the move to get a Demarcus Cousins, no, I Isaiah still, Thomas there I don't think Jay there is Crowder. even with Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, who yeah, he's a good player, but he's not gonna sway he's LeBron's gonna opinion him, one yeah. way or the other. But then even if you have Thomas and Demarcus Cousins, I don't think there's any way that LeBron James stays in Cleveland, mostly just because of how. I don't think so. How he can't get along with the Cavaliers' owners, and just he does right. not want to play for them anymore. He doesn't um, want to deal with Dan he Gilbert. He can't anymore. switch the owners out, but I mean, Cody Allman is doing everything he can, so I do see him pulling some sort of desperation move to keep the king there instead of just letting him ride off into the sunset and just I just leave. So I, could see I him think trying. that I think that if this was even a year ago, where you know you have two years left with LeBron James, then maybe you do it. But this, you finally have a really good asset which most likely will be at least a top five pick, and that's someone who you can build your franchise around. And possibly that, possibly you, your franchise cornerstone, right. but at the very least, someone who could be hopefully the second best option on a championship contender. Definite starter off the bat, for oh, sure, yeah. just because you're coming in with you know, the yeah. right skill set yeah, so, to get top five. So. Yeah, I just think you don't do that if you're the Cavs because you can finally start building towards the future. LeBron, the writing's pretty much on the wall with him. He's almost guaranteed to be gone after next year. Start building towards the future. They traded all of their future draft picks that they owned and to pre- get players sure like s- Timothy Mozgov and J.R. Yeah, Smith. terrible. I'm pretty sure they have this year's pick for themselves as well, if I'm not mistaken. And at that point, that gives them a little bit of flexibility too because they can move that pick with a mixture of whatever player to improve their roster throughout the year. And if not, you know, make some sort of trade right before the draft next year. But who knows? Maybe they keep both and load up on some talent. Like you're saying, I totally agree. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to go into a rebuilding mode at some point. And with, you know, Kyrie gone now, and that's awesome. I think if LeBron leaves, you have the flexibility with Isaiah Thomas coming off or in a contract year this year and needing a new contract. You're going to have to give him a max contract for sure. He's an all-star, and he's a starting point guard in any team right now. So you're going to uh, have to give not, him a max not contract. Not any team. He I mean, not a team with another starting point guard already, but I'm talking about any team. Star with, point guard. No, it's any point guard right now. Uh, but at that point, if you have a open roster spot for your starting point guard, any team's going to take Isaiah Thomas with how he played last year. And I'm not going to say he's going to play the same way this year in a different offense with LeBron James next to him, different role. Uh, in a sense, but for me, I just think it's the fact that you don't have to give him a contract after this year, and if LeBron's clearly leaving, and you have, you know, not the best core of young players, to say the least, you bring in a top five player, like you're saying, with that pick, and if you still have your own pick, you still bring in another first-round player. Look at Lakers. They brought in, you know, Josh Hart and Kuzma, both at the tail end of the first round, both look like going to be really solid players, especially Kuzma after a solid summer league. But it's not like there's no talent in the first or early second round. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was the last pick of the 2011 draft. So look how he panned out. He's just underrated because of his size and some of his abilities are doubted. But he's the most motivated player that I've seen in a second. And, you know, his sister died last year in the playoffs and still fought through it. And he's just a competitor. And now he's in a contract year in a spot where he just got moved away, but still to a spot where you're in the same kind of contention. If you're the Cavs or the Celtics, you're the same team, in my opinion, when it comes to rather having the chances to be one or two. Those are the only two people that are going to even have a chance of being one or two in this week east. But 
they're really just making a run to beat each other at this point. And they both won this trade, in my opinion, because their recipe wasn't going to be enough. And at this point, you might as well try and change it if it's not going to be enough to beat the Warriors. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics really, it's not at this point. I don't think Kyrie, I, don't, I know you're not so high on Kyrie being the number one anywhere, but he is the number one now. But that's not as much pressure being the number one there because they did bring in someone like a Gordon Hayward who could have the ability to be number one. Uh, like he was on the Jazz. I mean, at this point, yeah, but that's a close. Like- that's a close number two. That's not like someone that is a star player. Like you know, look at the Jazz. Kind of topped out those. The oh, I feel four you. Four or five. But, but look, I I, obviously, I'm not saying anything like that. But that's just with him and you know an, a rising Rudy Gobert. But you have a lot of depth on this team. You know, not saying I, to be honest, I think the Cavaliers may have a little bit more depth now. But. Um, yeah, they got more my, depth after right. the trade. Got more depth. Added for sure. two really good NBA players and right. subtracted. And one, I really like what they did in this offseason, just adding smaller guys like Derrick Rose and Calderon and just filling out the roster in the ways they did. They brought in Jeff Green, if I'm not mistaken. So just little moves here yeah, and there. Yeah, little moves. So it's not like they need to change the blow it up yet or anything. You have LeBron James, that's all you need. So Yeah, I think really quickly about the Isaiah Thomas contract situation after this year. It's Interesting. I think the Celtics did well in this trade with also not having to deal with the whole decision of do we give Isaiah Thomas a max contract. But also, just thinking about it a little bit more, Eric Pincus brought this up about a week ago, talking about how the salary, the cap room that teams have right now going into this next summer, it's not the same as it was two years ago when we saw player after player getting these ridiculous massive contracts like Mozgov, Dang, Bismack, Biombo, Joakim Noah got four years, $72 million from the Knicks. That cap room has kind of dried up. And you look at the free agents that are most likely going to be available next summer. There are quite a few that are better than Isaiah Thomas. Star, you got, you got yeah, yeah, you got DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. possibly Russell Westbrook, LeBron James. So those are all players that if teams have cap room, they're going to be going after those players before they go after Isaiah Thomas. And there's not a ton of teams with a lot of cap room. So thinking about it a little bit more, it, it makes sense that maybe the Cavs don't have to give Isaiah Thomas a full max deal in order to keep him, but it will still probably be at least close to the max, I would think. And even that, just for... I'm not going to question Isaiah Thomas's heart. Yeah, you're right. He has... Russell Westbrook, I think, is the only guy that you can say maybe has more heart than him. But intensity, Isaiah Thomas... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intensity, heart, they both have an unbelievable amount of it. But when someone's five foot nine, there's only so much they can do, especially on the defensive end. And I'm not comfortable paying someone a max deal or close to a max deal when... 50% of the game is defense, and for that 50% of the game, I he's a liability. Statistically graded out with advanced analytics, I believe he was the worst defensive player in the league last year. And it's not all his fault. When you're foot nine, like I said, only so much you can do. But I'm not comfortable giving that sort of money to someone like that. I can see that. I mean, that's another reason why I said I like the fact that the Cavaliers took on this risk to at least have him at his he's just like I think me and me and you were talking about how he's at his maximum point right now for value when it comes to getting rid of him or acquiring him this is the time to get rid of him if you are Boston 
Yeah, and, that's another reason why right. I love the trade. Yeah, thing. I mean, I, lo- I love the trade on both ends so much. I just, as an NBA fan, it just makes me so happy. Really quickly, when, do you think that Isaiah Thomas will ever average 29 points again in an NBA season? 29? I think it was 28, 29 yeah, points I a mean, game. I, right? I don't see him duplicating last season, uh, no. but I do see that as an indication of what he can do. What do you think he averages this year with the Cavs? Um, 17, 18. Really? Um, so maybe 20. Yeah, I, was, I would say probably like 18 or 20. I was thinking, yeah. It's going to be heavier on the assist end for me. He's just got LeBron James there. He could just dish, like, I don't know, shovel past him the ball half the time. Yeah, but but I, he, there's just so many more weapons for me on the Cavaliers in, in terms of Isaiah Thomas's game because he can spread the floor very well. And I know he's short, but he does have very good vision for his size, and he makes really good passes. I noticed yeah. in a lot of... A lot of his games last year, especially in the regular season, I'm not going to you know, comment as much on his postseason play just because I wasn't as high on it. Um, but, you know, he showed so much last season. It's just going to be a matter of how he fits in this year. But I think he'll have a little bit more when it comes to assists. You know, I think he'll have negative rebounds. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow like, negative like rebounds. Negative point two or something. Just like <laughs> he coughed up a rebound one time or something, and they just counted that against and then it him. Scored for the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was the only time he ever yeah. got close. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like you know when someone puts like your, their hand in your face and you're just running at them, but you can't go past their hand. It's that's how I see it, and that's why it's funny that you know we're talking about him at such a high caliber, which is so cool. Also, because if you look at the last guy that was sort of this short. Nate Robinson, he wasn't a star. He was a good player that can surprisingly dunk very well for his size. But, yeah. like, he wasn't anything like Isaiah Thomas right now. He was Yo, Nate so, Robinson. Go ahead. No, no, you can keep going. But, yeah, at this point, it's his little guys. You know, he's got to have the heart. Yeah. But. Well, but Nate Robinson, he had one year where he averaged, it was either 20 points a game or close to it. But he was on the Knicks, and they weren't that good that year. So that's why he's – Isaiah Thomas obviously has more star – profile about him than Nate Robinson ever did even with winning the dunk contest but you talk about Isaiah Thomas's vision I don't really think of him as that great well, of a something special I was just saying it's it's I've seen him make some passes yeah. that I think if anything though it's going to go size. down with you have LeBron James on your team you're going to get more points off of just open looks with LeBron driving the basket but and, I think the ball's going to be in LeBron but LeBron LeBron he doesn't need the ball in his hands, obviously, to be dominant, but he's such a great playmaker and a much better playmaker than Isaiah Thomas. You want the ball in his hands. I think right. fourth quarter comes around. Isaiah Thomas, he averaged the most points per game out of anyone in the fourth quarter in the NBA. Right, far, he averaged yeah. the most points per game in the paint out of any point guard, and I think that includes Russell Westbrook, which is so, so shocking That's that insane. he could beat Russell Westbrook when he's five foot nine. Um but yeah, I think the ball's going to be obviously in LeBron James's hands more. I think the points that he's going to score. I was surprised he went so low. I thought I think it'll be twenty-two points per game. Okay, about that. Uh, Kyrie averaged twenty-five. He's a little bit better at creating his own shot. But sure. Isaiah Thomas is great at yeah, creating I was too his low own with shot 18. too. I was saying eighteen to twenty. I'm going to go with twenty. Okay. I mean, you're, you're totally right. But I mean, at this point, I just think it's just a different role. I don't know how. Le- I mean, LeBron James can play with anyone. That's the thing. So it's really just. Someone else has to score the rest of the points that LeBron doesn't score, and someone needs to pass him the ball when he doesn't have the ball in his hand. So that's just cue in the next guy kind of thing. And at this yeah. point, I think he's just going to take that role and really flourish with it. And then it's going to be a matter of what do the Cavs do now at the end of the season, because I'm sure he's going to play 
perfectly fine to uh, to you know be eligible for the contract that he deserves after this year. The same thing as this year coming up, it's going to be the same kind of money in my opinion, just because of how much people are getting paid right now. Anyways, you got a guy that's producing those numbers. You need to pay to keep him around, or he's going to go. I don't see him going to some crappy team and losing. And so he's such a competitor, and I think he floors to the fact that he got traded from. The Kings to Boston. He was so happy in that situation. Like so traded from from the Suns, signed with the Suns. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he got drafted by the Kings originally. At that point, he I remember reading something with him last year, and he had his original photo of him holding that Kings jersey, and then one with him in the Boston jersey, and was just so ecstatic. Whatever the exact words were, just about the fact that like that's his life now. This is his now. You know, it's his team. And he was proving so many people wrong last year. He was so happy about it. Yeah. Now at this point, getting traded, at least he didn't get traded to some bum team. You're on the Cavs now, and you're in the same spot competing for the number one seed for the East. It's just now you got to face the team in green instead of being yeah, them. And he's so. going to be going after them. He was huge in the recruitment of Gordon Hayward. Oh, and Al, on and Al yeah. yeah. He played a big part in that whole thing, so I think he probably feels a little bit betrayed no, after he, he feels, all that he, he did for them. On a contract uh, here, too. Yeah. So he's really going to – I mean, you know, he's got like this hip issue that they're talking about right now, but it's not an issue at all. I know I read that the Boston Celtics were just totally confident that with just a little bit of rest and like a tiny bit of rehab, yeah, he'd be 100% Yeah, they didn't even like need surgery, soon. at least they don't yeah. think he no, would. Yeah, exactly. So but. I think, and I don't think the Cavs would have made this trade as confidently if they weren't sure that he would be playing basketball for them either. So they're not just going to take the wild yeah. card that he's just going to maybe need surgery. They did their due diligence on his injury and how minor it is in the grand scheme of things. So Yeah, and you know. I think he'll have a similar role on Cleveland as Kyrie did. He'll, he's, Robin. Yeah, but also just as the player who, when you need a shot, yes, obviously LeBron can create his own shot, but Kyrie had that role where if you need a bucket, give it to Kyrie. Well, right. now it's going to be give it to Isaiah. Defensively, look, Kyrie never played defense either. The only difference is he's six foot three, and when he really wanted he to play defense, you. he'd show yeah. that he could play defense once in a while. Isaiah... Even if he really wants to, I don't think he'll be able to. But then fourth quarter, he'll be the closer just like Kyrie was. And he showed in Boston that he's one of the best closers in the NBA. Right. So I think that'll be fine. It's I just mean, the, Cavs, it's, the Cavs really got set up so well for like the possibility that Kyrie was going to leave. I remember on the um, State of the Cavs podcast that we did, we were both saying how the Kyrie trade was going to happen or not necessarily right now, but how it, it's going to affect the whole landscape of how the Cavs are going about things in regards to the season and after that with LeBron James and seeing him, you know, get, get traded. It really, you know, it really doesn't just change the culture there. Now it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't necessarily change it completely, but it definitely ups it because there's a lot of, you know, talk there that it's just this joke of a franchise on the front office now. And the fact that they have LeBron James is the only reason that's keeping them relevant. So now, you know, they definitely set themselves up right by signing Derrick Rose. And before that, Calderon, who would have been a fine little plug-in veteran <laughs> to play, you know, crap minutes Love or whatever. Sure it's a fine little yeah, plug-in. Fine, fine little plug-in. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's cool. Like, I thought he had, like better pictures with Laker jerseys on like you know <laughs> than any plays but it, he's a veteran presence that's gonna yeah. you know be there on your team and he clearly is valuable yeah. or else teams wouldn't be re-signing him yeah, and, let, let's stop talking about Calderon. yeah but, uh, no, but, but no one really cares of course but he was signed to be their backup clearly he's not anymore now it's just 
Well, they had Derrick Rose. No, this is they signed him before Derrick Rose. Oh, he yeah. was one of the first. He was yeah. their first signing. So at this point, now they got Derrick Rose, and that was just like I said at that point. And now I know for a fact I'm right. That was their move because they knew Kyrie was going to leave before the season started because they're not going to go out. I know they didn't spend a bunch of money on Derrick Rose, but he needs a role. He needs a good role too because he can play off one of his better years since you know the injuries and everything yeah. like that. He had one of his better years or best years since the injury and everything. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see though right. how because I'm sure he's going to complement the IT. Well, I'm sure, I, that's where I'm saying well, like at least coming. They're, they're not going to be on the court together, but I'm talking they're, about when IT comes off. They're not worried that Calderon's coming in. Well, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to play Rose and Thomas together at least a little bit. But why? You they would got, think they got Jr. They got Schroeder, well because otherwise got you need Isaiah Jay Thomas. Crowder, Isaiah Thomas going to be playing what like 34 minutes a game or so? Yeah, so then exactly. what is Rose only playing 14 minutes? No, that's true. You're right. But right? then again, you know maybe they maybe Isaiah Thomas plays a little bit less minutes. I don't know if yeah. they're going to. I think that, but it can it could work somewhat if. Rose has to have the ball because he can't spot up and shoot. One of the worst spot up shooters IT in the can. league last year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and then defensively, you put Rose IT, on the IT shooting play, guard. IT plays the two on offense and, and the, one on, the one on defense. Yeah, but still, you got that liability that, that is not at the too, one, and then Rose at the two. Not a great defender, but yeah, I, that is that is a little intriguing. To it's going to have to somehow work. I a little remember bit. what you were talking about during the State of the Cows podcast was the fact that analytic wise, Derrick Rose is one of the worst offensive players as a two last yeah. year. He was like yeah. atrocious as a two I on offense. I think he was the worst. Yeah, I think he was the worst too. And he, he's not going to be a two on offense, not once. Be like, the one, you yeah. know, maybe every once in a while someone else will be dribbling the ball up, but like no one, you're not going to put him in as a two on defense, right. just like we just said. If anything, he'll guard the two guy on defense because of his size compared to Isaiah Thomas, but why put him at two ever on you know yeah. offense? You know, he's your point guard, yeah. and at that point, I'd rather have IT, who's a smaller two, but who cares? He's it's, gonna go score anyways. It's, he's proven it. It's crazy though how you think June 2016, just a little over a year ago, Kyrie's making the biggest shot in Cavaliers history right. to win Game Seven of the NBA the Finals and secure the first championship in their history. Right. If you would have told me back then that a little over a year later he wouldn't even be on the team and mm-hmm. that they would have willingly traded him away, I would have thought. That you were absolutely insane. insane. But one really cool stat, or I mean, fact that I read today was that Kyrie was the number one pick of the 2011 draft, and Isaiah Thomas was the, the last 60th, pick, yeah. the 60th pick of the 2011 draft. So just the fact that that happened, where <laughs> the two of them were the two main pieces in a trade, if you would have talked to anyone in 2011 and yeah. brought that up, they would have laughed so hard. But it's just the fact that that is now, it just shows how people can, doesn't matter if you're the first pick or you come in. At under six foot, going in barely getting drafted, yeah. like you go in, and you do your due diligence and so, play, so play every, your heart out. You're yeah. gonna be a star. Everyone yeah. can be wrong, even the talent evaluators right. and any sport make mistakes all the time. But and at that point, yeah. how are you supposed to give a full ride of confidence to someone that is that size, yeah. regardless of how he played in college? You're gonna be that smart scout because you're not gonna be the scout that told you to draft him, and he's too smart to even play NBA basketball. Even though clearly that wasn't the biggest issue if he was even getting considered in the pre-draft process, but the fact that a lot of teams passed up on him wasn't because of his offensive play or wasn't because of the fact that he can play point guard. It was the fact is, is he big enough? So to show that he's not just big enough, but he's Mr. Fourth Quarter now and stuff like that, like that's a pretty cool you know nickname to have. Like You're yeah. Mr. Clutch now, and you're like, how tall are you? So at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. His size doesn't mean a thing. So... You know, him going over there, I, I love it. I, I love 
Kyrie in Boston. I love Kyrie (laughs) and Hayward and Horford and Tatum and Jalen Brown. And it's just such a team this year. I just Celtics number one. Cavs such a close number two. That's what and, I was going to ask before. Yeah. Before we, but, I want to move on to the Lakers and the Paul George tampering accusations, but really quickly, yeah, I, I like, like I said, I like the trade a little bit better for the Celtics. But after this trade, so you think regular? Are you talking regular, regular season? season? Okay, regular but then season. in the playoffs, if they meet in the playoffs, who's winning in the series? I'm going to flip a coin. I, I have no idea because at that point, I'm not going to tell you how these players are going to play in the playoffs faring with LeBron James because at that point, it's I, LeBron James in the playoffs. I don't know how great Gordon Hayward is in the playoffs. He played the Clippers well last last year, but like that's that, the it, it's the Clippers <laughs> and you're, you know, you're the main focus part of the Jazz. But he, who has ever not played well with LeBron James, regular season or playoffs? No, right? totally. He just makes... Everyone better. Totally, so. but uh, yeah, at that point, that's you're talking about LeBron James getting getting tossed in any round of the playoffs is a shocker. So yeah. that's why I'm saying in the regular season, I'm going to give it to the Celtics. I really like, I love their coach so much. Coach Stevens is just so perfect, just a young coach that's just going to motivate. They, they like to take these guys that are just, you know, underrated just in a sense. That's what they did with IT and Crowder and all these guys. They just wanted these like junkyard dogs that really got doubted forever and just are coming out trying to bite and just like really trying to prove something with a chip on their shoulder. And now at this point, they've really abandoned that and really have gone with, you know, Kyrie Irving and stuff like that. So now you do have players that are talented. You have Gordon Hayward, you have Al Horford. These are all stars on their respective teams before coming to the Celtics. So now you're putting them all together, and when you were a one seed last year, and no one expected you to be, that's a good, you know, that's good. And the last thing I'm going to bring up is that I just saw, you know, I saw a graphic earlier, and it showed the 2013-2014 Celtics roster side by side with the 2017-2018 Celtics roster, and it's 100% different, literally 100% different. I don't even know. I'm going to look at it right now. I don't even know if there's one player that's still on no, the team. There's not. There's not, wow. not one player that's still on the team. So that just shows how crazy of a flip that the Celtics did. And the fact that they brought in guys like Aaron Baines, who isn't talked about ever, and Daniel Thies, um, I thought it might be Thies, I'm not sure, but they brought him in from international play. I, I was reading up on him, too. He's a good talent, too. So at least they have some backup centers now to Horford. And, you know, they still have, you know, flexibility to, in my opinion, they, they got bigger because they really, just like you were saying, Horford's not the scariest yeah. Rebounder and stuff. You'd play him on the four, though. And Sissick didn't play big last year at all whenever I watched him, so I'm glad that they kind of abandoned yeah. ship on him. Yeah. But, you, you know. You could go big, have four yeah. be the four. Yeah, and, and I know they got set. Um, yeah, so that's all. That's kind of what I want to bring yeah, up. And then just, Semi Ojale. Yeah, yeah Semi Ojale. I know Love we were him. talking about the fact that he can play center like a Draymond Green. Not that he should, but he can. So at that point, you got someone that's coming in. Who knows how good yeah. he's going to be, too? He's just a bull. So, yeah, we're going to move on from that. Yeah, so just really quickly. The, so, yeah, I agree that um, regular season, yeah, I think Celtics, Celtics be the first seed, Cavs be the second. Just because kind of like this year, yeah. it didn't mean as much to the Cavs right. as it did to the Celtics. But in the playoffs, I'm rolling with LeBron James. To be honest, I'm going to agree with yeah. you just because I don't know how <laughs> okay. great the, Cavs, the Celtics are going to be yeah. together in the playoffs. I yeah. do know how I think the Cavs is. make yeah. fourth straight playoffs. I think eighth straight Appearance for LeBron James, right. and then after that, he leaves, and the Cavs dynasty, if you can call it a dynasty, only winning one championship. Because they're not going to beat the Warriors. Yeah, yeah then it's over. Uh, so, all right, let's move on to the Lakers and the Paul George accusations. So, the Pacers had Paul George on their team, traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder for, as we talked about, a terrible trade for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. Um, I believe it was. 
very end of June, like June 30th, right before free agency started, just a few hours before. And recently, I think just over this past weekend, the Pacers filed tampering charges against the Lakers. So what this means for the Lakers, the Lakers and Pacers are both adamant that they're very confident in the evidence that they have or the lack of evidence in the Lakers case. And they both feel like they're going to win um, these charges, this case. What's at stake for... There's nothing at stake for the Pacers. They're, it was smart of them to file these tampering charges. Because if, yeah, if they why think not? there's any possibility, why not do it? Because, right. okay, if you don't find any evidence, okay, like nothing happens. Yeah. yeah. So what's at stake for the Lakers, though, is if they are found guilty of tampering, and it's been reported that Magic Johnson is at the center of this investigation, if the Lakers are found guilty, there could be a combination of a fine for the team of up to $5 million dollars, there could be a loss of draft picks, up to five draft picks that could possibly be lost, taken from the Lakers and given to the Pacers as compensation for the tampering. And the Lakers, and this one stings the most, although losing up to five draft picks That's really hard. hurts too, but the Lakers could be banned from being able to acquire Paul George, whether it's in a trade or via free agency if they're found guilty of this. And also members of the Lakers front office could be suspended for any role they had in the tampering. So I'll start right off the bat and say I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm going to knock on wood, but I don't think that anything is going to come of this. There's been tampering charges that have been filed in the past. It's rare to be able to gather enough evidence to where you can actually charge a team or charge a front office executive of tampering. And I would hope that I know Magic Johnson is still learning the CBA, but I would hope that Rob Palenka, being a former agent, would know how to maneuver around the tampering rules. Look, there's tampering in the NBA all the time. Look at the Chris Paul trade to Houston. Chris Paul was still under contract. He never got out of his contract with the Clippers. He was traded to the Rockets. You cannot tell me that when he went into that meeting with Clippers management, with Doc Rivers, to tell them, Yeah, he wanted to be traded to Houston. You cannot tell me that he did not speak with Daryl Morey at least once regarding coming to the Rockets. Tampering happens all the time. Or at least found a way around it and talk to your good friend James Harden who went and talked to him for you. Yeah, it's just something that happens in the NBA. And there's no way to completely stop it. Players in the NBA are able to essentially tamper whenever they want without being charged of tampering. They can talk to... You can recruit. They can talk to the players when they're under contract on a different team all the time. They just can't go out and make a campaign like James Harden couldn't have started a website, get Chris Paul to the Rockets.com. That he could have gotten in trouble for. But just talking to Chris Paul, trying to convince him, that's fine. So I don't think the Lakers will get in trouble for this, and I really hope they don't. The only thing so far that we know about from what Magic Johnson's done was when he went on the Jimmy Kimmel show and talked about how a lot of Lakers fans thought it was funny back then, but even back then I was thinking, like, why are you doing that? What are you doing? I knew you're not supposed to talk about players that are under contract on another team, and he's talking about how Jimmy Kimmel asked him, if you go on vacation and see Paul George at your resort, are you able to talk to him at all? Magic Johnson goes, yeah, we're able to say hello because... We're friends, but I can't tell him, you know, come to the Lakers, which that in and of itself, 
that's tampering. Just joking about that. But then he goes on to say how, but you know I'm going to be wink, wink, winking at him, and you know what that means. That's towing the line across. I would think, I thought the NBA was going to find him back then, but that would be it. They didn't find him, but now going back, looking at it, maybe they retroactively find him for that. I would think no more than like $250,000, $500,000. Probably find the Lakers the same thing, right. but that's there. yeah, that's not going to hurt them in the long run. What yeah. would hurt them is losing Paul George. We just talked about the D'Angelo Russell trade on the last podcast and how you were arguing how it was necessary because they need to clear room for two max spots, which they still don't have the room, but they're making their way towards it. Paul George was the guy who was like counted on the most, like, yes, he is coming to the Lakers next year. If they're barred from getting him, that hurts them so much. Their entire plans for the future just ruined, right, changed. Right, and I think at this point, I'm going to knock on wood, too, because I all, as well, am a Laker fan, but um, I really don't think Magic's this stupid. Uh, maybe, I, I, would, I know he's new, but he does have other people there as well, just like you said. Um, Rob being a former scout himself. Like former he, agent. I mean, sorry, former yeah. agent. He knows. Yeah, I would hope too. Magic just like yeah. he spoke to him Yeah, before. They, they know how to get around these things. Magic was a former player. He owns the Dodgers, which I know they don't have tampering. Well, no, in, actually. Like, in the same sense. It's, it's their own form. But, but it's interesting that you bring that up with the Dodgers because back in 2013 when Magic Johnson was in his first year as owner of the Dodgers, he was fined for tampering charges as an owner of the Dodgers because he went on, I think it was the Jimmy Fallon show, and was talking about the Dodgers in the playoffs. But then he talked about how the guy in New York who was Robinson Cano, he's talking about how, yeah, he's going to get paid after this year. Not by us, but he's going to get paid. Even that, which, that's not recruiting him to the Dodgers, but you are not allowed to talk about someone on another team. And okay. he should have known that. From his I time mean, with the Dodgers. At that point, yeah, I, I totally agree. You shouldn't, you should just not make public appearances on TV and talk about any of that. You should yeah. just like keep talk about your team and yeah, be safe. But talk about your team and that's I, it. But that, I'm not going to say, this is, we're not going to talk baseball. I'm just talking about the fact that he's owned the team for this long now uh, for the Dodgers. I think he knows a thing or two, at least by watching the people that are making these trades or talking to these players, at least from being on a player on a basketball team in a dynasty. Now owning the Dodgers, and now he's you know got the role that he's got with the Lakers. At this point, you're on so many different levels of so many, you know, professional sports teams now, and seeing the ins and outs of these trades, like you need to know how to communicate the right way, if there is a right way, or not at all, if you shouldn't. And I really don't think that, just like you said, it's so rare that teams will be able to accumulate such a deep portfolio to really get another team charged with this instead of just you know going after them for it but who knows maybe they, that might be part of their portfolio of what, what we've done wrong or what they've done wrong to bring them down a bit but I don't see I, I see the Pacers just seeing an opportunity to go for it and yeah, being really stupid so. not to go for it because what happens if they do get charged with tampering you really just screwed a team and really at least knocked out one of them that was flying towards the future. At least now, you as a bad team have done your best to at least halt another team. To like, bring another team. Yeah, down. exactly. <laughs> so I mean, at least you're doing something. But yeah. I don't. I don't think it's gonna. Anything's really gonna come of this. I think it's just smoke being blown in the air and them just being upset of how the whole situation unraveled. Yeah. And maybe the just, fact that they look back and see that their trade value sucks so bad. So now maybe they're trying for, to. 
yeah, just from going to LA for the later. first time in a long time, it just seems like the Lakers finally have momentum growing towards an actual future. And now for this to happen, if something does come out of it, it just completely changes the direction of the entire franchise. And it's the fact that they got that new front office. Yeah. It's not the first thing that you want to be struck on your record. Yeah. Like you have a great offseason. You go in there and you have the best draft that you physically can have in his position. And you've really found a way after signing KCP and just filling out the roster, in my opinion, in such a good way with the right pieces. I, you can't have a better opening offseason as Magic Johnson right now. So just, just please don't have this be what people remember from the first year please don't have this happen at all just because the fact that it's going to be catastrophic to a team that's finally finally finding a way not its way but finding a way and hopefully now they're going to turn it around some sort this year and get out of the lottery at least that's everyone's hopes no one's going to make the playoffs in such deep of a west but they're in the east you know i'd like to see them with the record that they have in the west if you put them in the East, I'd like to see them slipping into the playoffs yeah, for sure. So. And that's not, you know, outrageous for me to say at all because you're going to be below 500. And be, it's you'll ever be been. below 500 yeah. and what, be a four seed or five yeah. seed? Yeah, like, I, just, I just hope that Magic Johnson did not text something to Paul George about coming to the Lakers because I don't know. I just feel like that I could see him kind of doing that. I hope Palenko was like monitoring him, telling him like, hey, you know you can't do this. So you talked about how I think with Paul George, he's such a high-profile player, and they want to get him so bad, anyways. I just I don't really see him. I, I just don't see them being extra careless with this one in I particular. Just so. I just hope, I hope that, they're extra careful. Yeah, I hope they're extra careful because of the fact that yeah, maybe you don't land him right before the draft or right when you want to grab him right now, but you definitely, definitely are going full force to grab PG in the free agency um, period that's going to be coming up this next year. So at this point, you really can't. Yeah. You, yeah. So I mean, we're both. Yeah, really so, hoping here that yeah, this didn't happen. Really quickly before we end this podcast, so we were talking about how tampering, I think we both agree, tampering happens every single right. year in the NBA. And to yeah. give people an understanding of how rare it is for a team to actually be found guilty of tampering with another player or um, front office executive or head coach, I believe the last time that any team was found guilty of tampering was 2010, when LeBron James was still on the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mark Cuban went on some television show, I forgot which one, but he just made a comment about what everyone knows, that, he'd, yeah, he'd like to have him on the Mavericks, just like every other team in the NBA would like to have him on their team. And right. that's not actively recruiting him, like, come to the Mavericks. Obviously, everyone wants him. It's an owner wish list. But he got fined. It was some small amount, like 250000 like, or something. Yeah, he didn't lose any draft and... picks or anything. It was a small thing. Right. Also, I mean, if in... anything, maybe give the Lakers that. Like, maybe they did yeah. one or well, two things minorly wrong. Maybe you slip away with a fine and a slap on the wrist. But I don't see, I at least hope I don't see the, them doing yeah. so much into a catastrophic way to where they're just given a USC kind of thing that they did like, you know, yeah, five, ten years ago, like, you know, at, at, which was a, also terrible to see as someone that's living in the LA area. You don't want to see the teams not even have a chance to be successful regardless if they're successful or not, or have, you know, their successes be marked yeah, down. But two anyway. other, two other, before we go two other times where teams were accused or charged with tampering was the, Miami Heat, back in 1996, Pat Riley was the head coach, I believe, of the New York Knicks, and the Miami Heat 
were communicating with him about coming to join the front office and be the GM while he was still under contract with the Knicks. They were found guilty, and they actually had to give up one first-round pick to the New York Knicks. It still hurts big. Yeah, but one first-round pick, mm-hmm. yeah. That uh, With the Lakers, you don't know how their future is going to be. It could really hurt. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it would be a lower pick. But the one that was the most hurtful of any team in the past 20, 30 years was the Timberwolves with Joe Smith. I believe this was back in 2001. The Timberwolves signed Joe Smith to, I think it was a one-year deal for a low amount, something that had everyone surprised, like, why is he signing for such a low amount? And then the NBA investigated and found out later that Joe Smith and the Timberwolves had agreed to a one-year small deal, and then on his next contract, he'd get, he'd get a much bigger deal than he should have just for doing the Timberwolves that favor and taking the smaller contract, which... You can do favors for teams and take a smaller contract. That's on the player. But you can't agree to a future agreement where you get paid more right. than what you should on the open market. And All the Timberwolves, right. they ended up getting penalized. I forgot how many draft picks they lost. But they had to just forfeit them because they didn't steal Joe Smith from another right. team, I don't believe. They just manipulated. But, yeah, so they lost. Player. I forgot how many picks, but they lost multiple draft picks, which would really hurt. So yeah, that shows that, obviously, some punishments can really hurt, especially with a team like the Lakers to where they don't have a lot of leniency to take a punishment and still be okay at this point. We're just all hopes here, so there's no real fact that the Lakers have turned anything around or the fact that they are going to have a better season this year than last. Uh, we're hoping, of course, but... Just from a front office point of view, we're the luckiest people in the world as fans to be able to see a new, fresh front office in L.A., you know, guiding the Lakers' dynasty at least towards better grounds. Hopeful, hopeful dynasty. Oh, you know, it's a dynasty regardless. I'm not talking about current dynasties. It's a dynasty. So is the Celtics and so are some of these other corner store teams. But having, you know, Magic there is such a blessing with Robin. At this point, you just can't have this happen if you're going to move towards the way that they've been doing such a good job of moving towards. But at this point, it's all up in the air. We have no other facts to go on. But as fans just sitting here hoping that this isn't something that's going to take too big of a toll on the team or any big punishment, I hope that it gets figured out as soon as possible. We're not just sitting here wondering. But yeah, hopefully Paul George is worth it. There are some reports that. that the timeline for this investigation should be concluded possibly within the next few weeks, most likely no longer than a month. So we should know what punishment, if any, the Lakers have within before, the next couple of weeks. Before the regular of, season, a lot of stuff starts. will come out as well. Of you know, from different reports. Yeah, about, different reports being leaked. You know what so. they do have, what they do not yeah. have, and at that point, you're going to be able to make up your judgment within the next week or two with how on it these NBA reporters are and stuff yeah. like that. With and hopefully, how on it we are too. Oh NBA yeah, if, Rack, you're, so. if you're taking a look at our Twitter, hopefully you have. Uh, we've been super active. It's a all new page, every single update, every single hot take, every single thing that you want to know about the NBA. Uh, we're unwrapping it there, and you just take a look at that, and hopefully you follow it. That's going to be the only thing you need to follow. I know that uh, I'm particularly on every single thing the second it's happening, and we're going to continue to you know, get it faster, better, give you our content that you want to see. So give us a, you know, an, another follow. Uh, give us a follow on NBA Unwrapped uh, on Twitter, so that would be super appreciative, and you can keep up with all of our day-to-day thoughts and all the stuff happening around the NBA when you're not listening to our pretty voices. So, Yeah, so with that, that just about does it for this show. Thank you for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. 
You can follow us, as Perry just said, at NBA Unwrapped on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, or you can do both if you really like us. You can follow me, Corbin Weinerman, on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. And Perry, you can follow on Twitter at Perry Aston. That's A-S-T-O-N. So thank you all for listening, and we'll be back to you guys soon with another podcast. Until then, thank you and take care. See you guys next time.